Okay. Hello, everybody. Hello. Welcome to Stand Up Tragedy. My name's Dave, and I'm your host. Now, what we do at Stand Up Tragedy is we invite people to stand up and do some tragedy. It's as simple as that. It's a kind of that does what it says on the tin kind of show. Uh, we get performers from all parts of the arts to come up and do what they think tragedy is. Tonight, we have maybe one of our most amazing lineups we've ever had, so I'm incredibly excited to be introducing them all today. But before I do that, I've got to get some sadmin done, I'm afraid. Uh, so uh, so well, bear with me for that and, and, and understand that after this, the brilliance will be coming. So yes, we're a live show. We're also a podcast, so you can listen to us online. You can listen back to this show and all of the other shows that we've done at the Fringe and that will continue for the rest of the Fringe so you can find us there um, we should also we should be expecting what's well, so a tragedy right that means sad stuff you know you walk down the street and a tragedy can befall you at any time right you don't know it's going to happen well tonight we know it's going to happen it's going to happen in here on this stage so be prepared for sad and complicated thoughts and feelings but also some laughs as well as some tears because we like people to cry until they laugh and laugh until they cry and we try to create a safe space for people to talk about unsafe things uh, we're doing this show 7.30 every night for the rest of the Fringe we've got different variety like act every night so every night's different so if you like this one come back to another one if you don't like this one come back to another one you might like it right um, and apart from on Tuesdays when we're doing a conversation I'll be doing a conversation with a performer on this stage uh, on a Tuesday so you should come to that if you want to hear a conversation with a performer the next Tuesday's one is with Samantha Mann who is an amazing kind of uh, performer uh, so you should definitely come to that um, the, the uh, when I said performer like that, it's because she may or may not be a character comedian. Uh, so yes, um, so yes, um, yes, that's happening on Tuesday. We've got Tragedy Fails Better happening tomorrow because we've got guest hosts doing loads of our shows at the Fringe. Tragedy Fails Better tomorrow with uh, Dan Simpson and Paula Varjak hosting. And then on Monday, we've got Samantha Mann hosting and that's gonna be a pretty amazing night. I won't be here because it's my night off, but you should come. Um, <laughs> I, and we're also doing, uh, I'm also doing a solo show at 12.05 at the Cabaret Voltaire every day apart from Mondays. Uh, if you think that it's tragic in here, come to that show. It'll be more tragic, like even more tragic. Uh, the show is called What About the Men? Mansplaining Masculinity. And it's all about kind of the way that uh, men are hurt by society and the way that men hurt other people through society, which sounds very worthy. It kind of is. You should come to it, though, because it's worth your time, I guess. Uh, yes, self-deprecation there at the end. That's how to sell your own show. We are part of the PBH Free Fringe, which means that it's free to get in, uh, but if you would like to give us money on the way out, that would be amazing too. Uh, it's a tragic time in this country at the moment. Like, the arts, everything, in fact, is being cut. Not just the arts, you know, the welfare state is being ripped out of us. Uh, and so, uh, because of that, it's a good time to support each other. And if you've got the money to support us, we would really appreciate it. On a personal level, I, got, I lost my job to the cuts two years ago, so I'm trying to make it as an artist so I really need your money so yes that's the uh, sad been done you can find us on Facebook where you can make friends with the tragedy you can find us on Twitter at stand up for tragedy and if you want to talk about the show it's hashtag tragic moments sad been over okay so our next performer he's doing a show in here every day at four o'clock the water show from now to the 30th he's got the 18th off put your hands together everyone for Rob Otten! Ladies and gentlemen, the 
Those are the names we give to the toilets. <laughs> right, I really like food, and I don't know if there's a heaven or not. With that in mind, I wrote this, it's called Heaven Food. <laughs> What's the food like in heaven? If all well-behaved living things that die go to heaven, can there be meat up there? <laughs> Do people imagine eating nice bits of meat in heaven? You know the bits with a tiny bit of burnt on the cliff face of fat, <laughs> sitting at a solid square-legged without wobble table, eating a steak with a smooth, heavy, shining fork and a deep, dark brown wooden-handled steak knife. Has the cow that the steak came from died and gone to heaven, <laughs> only to be killed again? <laughs> Do they kill dead cows up there so we can eat meat and really be in total heaven? <laughs> what about the sandwiches? Are there crumbs in heaven? Can you get lurpak? Is it complimentary? Do you still have to peel oranges? Do apples have cores or, or, or are they or apple? Can you eat right through an apple from one side to the other? Can you eat an apple until it is gone? Where do apples go when they die? <laughs> do baked beans come in tins or do they float into your open mouth in a kind of horizontal unfastened necklace line of warm non-drip perfectly cooked baked beans? Where do I go to get my food when I arrive? I will probably need to do some sort of big shop. <laughs> Or will all my cupboards be full? Will I even have cupboards? Who will have put them up for me? Does God put the cupboards up in heaven? All the chickens will be running around, laughing and kissing, instead of lying dead and refrigerated in the supermarkets. Do people kill them in heaven? Maybe the chickens kill themselves for us. <laughs> and then roll around in flour, and then egg, and then breadcrumbs, and then repeat the process depending on how crispy they want to make themselves. <laughs> Maybe the chickens get to go up to the next level of heaven, the heaven of heaven, the penthouse suite of heaven, if you have a fly in your kitchen in heaven and you want to get rid of it, what do you do? You have both been accepted into the kingdom of heaven. Thank you very much. Okay, this is called Grim Genie. It's about a genie. I rubbed the golden magic lamp with my palm and the Grim Reaper appeared in a puff of smoke. Oh, I was rather hoping for a genie. 
I said, I am working as a genie from today, as I was recently, I was recently made redundant as death. He said, looking at the ground with his head cov with his hood covering his face. Well, I only have one wish, and that is to die, I replied. <laughs> Death stared me in the face and began to sob. <laughs> a ring, a ring, a ringtone, a pocket full of telephone. I'll call you, I'll call you, so we can have a row. <laughs> Where there's a will, there's a dead person. Where there's a dead person, there's a bill. Ooh, I don't think I've read this out before, but I'll read it now. It's, it's called Flower Power. You slid your hand down my throat with remarkable ease. I could feel you fiddling with my ventricles <laughs> and other things. <laughs> and then with a quick tug, you whipped out my heart. I remained surprisingly conscious. <laughs> you dropped it into your food presser, food processor. With a tablespoon of flour and blended it until you had a pink plasticine-like consistency. You then transferred it onto the work surface and molded it into the shape of your new boyfriend. <laughs> right, I wanted to write a poem about my kettle, right? So I got this red kettle in it. When I first bought it, it had a blue light that came on when you pressed it down, but that light didn't last long. And um, <clears throat> I wanted to write a poem about my kettle, but I was listening to a lot of Leonard Cohen at the time, and uh, it kind of rubbed off on the piece. <laughs> right, okay, here we go. It's called Poem About a Kettle, written when listening to a lot of Leonard Cohen. <laughs> I filled my kettle with tears. <laughs> the tears I stole from your eyes when you weren't looking. Clicked it on to boil. After a minute, I could hear your distant weeping with the heat came the cries. Before long, the kitchen was full of bubbling screams. The kettle peaked, extinguishing the little light it had. I poured your sorrow onto the tea bag of my life and drank the sadness of your being. <laughs> this book's got drawing in, drawings in it too. People really listen to their pillows. <laughs> Pardon? I don't see him. Right. <laughs> it's called fish. Fish in the sea, why do you get to be so free? Fish in the bowl, why do you get to be so gold? 
Fish in the supermarket, why do you get to be so dead? <laughs> Fish in my stomach, why do you get to be so nutritious? <laughs> Eight minutes twenty. <laughs> if you're wondering. <laughs> milk. This is called milk. This milk tastes like it's off. But it's on. <laughs> My cornflakes. <laughs> okay. Uh, thanks for having me. I really, really enjoy this night a lot. It's great. <laughs> No, it's, it's called stand-up tragedy, isn't it? <laughs> so I've got it. I can't read out my, all my um, really upbeat stuff. Bravo to everybody! Oh my goodness! Right. Our next performer, she's doing two shows here at the Edinburgh Fringe this year. She's doing Can't Care, Won't Care, which is happening in here uh, at 1.40 every day till the 30th. She's doing another show called Cult Friction, which is on at the Electric Circus at 4.30 until the 28th. Put your hands together, everyone, for Sophia Also, a bit of admin, I'm really sorry. Every show these three lovely people have walked into, I've been oh, guesting oh, at, and I feel terrible. Oh. Sorry, hello. I'm really sorry. You have to hear from me again, but it's new, don't worry. Um, so I've, I've seen tragedy um, really three main times in my life, and the first time I saw it was, well, it was on a TV screen. Jay came back from Basra with a video. His very own snuff film horror show, he showed up back home with six months to go on his third tour in a row. A PTSD-shattered former human being. One-man fighting machine reduced to scattered tantrums and bad dreams. Initially, all we could see was the mate we'd always known him to be. Quietly sucking on a 40, ignoring the hordes of imploring gazers and invasive questions from his naive mates. Questions like, so did you shoot anybody? And, yo, how many of them Hajis did you kill? I want to show you something. Rising from his seat, Jay approached the TV. Filmed from his perch in the tank's gun turret, the DVD captured the first week's incursion. Day one showed homes bombed down like dominoes. Cars explode, everything destroyed in the tank's forward roll. Day two showed dismembered torsos, pulps of skin and shattered bone. Overturned cars were funeral homes. Rubble piles with lives inside became burning pyres. By this point, the drinks had been put away. Even the backwards blunts were stubbed out. The room was totally silent. 
save the screams of agony and ammunition thundering from that audio. No one asked any more questions. Somebody switched the film off, but it was clear to all of us, Jay was still watching. in the north um, and it was a time of civil war and tribal war and it was the first time I really witnessed real tragedy with my own eyes. Did you know that seeds never die? Even after decades dry when placed in water they will grow. In most third world countries the leading cause of non-war related death is the water. Even the seeds lose hope. As typic as the image, gun barrels are never cold. The first time I felt a muzzle jammed into my back, all I could think was how warm this is. Have you ever witnessed a bullet travelling through the body? No, we crumple round the bullet hole. We don't fall. We drop. When you see someone's heads cut off, their legs keep moving. When you see that head hit the ground, it rolls till it lands on next stump and then it stares up. Most nights, those eyes are what I see. In Nakasemi, I met three men who earned their living, driving continuously round the city, shoveling corpses off the street. They'd been doing it so long, they tossed gunshot battered bodies into back of pickup truck like sacks of muck. They told me after 26 years of war, bodies are just carcass. I asked if they thought post-death our souls left us. They told me souls are the last casualties of war. The thing you fight hardest for. Lost more quickly in the living than the dead. TED talk on, on September 15th and I've, I've picked the topic of, of witness. I'm fascinated by, you know, with the Vietnam War, we saw photos of war for the first time in a real way and that horrified us. And, and with Iraq, we, we, at least the young, we started seeing real footage from our mates coming back. And with Tahrir Square, there was suddenly no news corporation in the way. We were seeing real camera phone footage of what actually happened as it happened. And the nature of being Privilege is distance. What it is to be privileged is doing that, you know? And the nature of witness is that we are no longer able to do that. About three weeks ago, I was standing at Holborn tube station in London, waiting for the Piccadilly line. And in front of me was that quite controversial beach body bikini ad with the woman in the yellow bikini. And in my hand was a copy of that day's Evening Standard. There's a crowd gathered at the waterfront, there to witness the unveiling of the latest beach body. The latest 
beached body, bloated on the shoreline. A mass of people, not large group, but vigil. This beach is lit with flickering candles, not littered with sunblock and sandals. There are no wet bodies for happy mums to towel off, just body bags for border enforcement agents to zip up. Beach bodies is a, town, is a term now more frequently referring to funerals, but the lives lost are still reduced to numerals, statistics, to election tactics and cost-benefit analysis. They don't have to contend with the visual impact a beach body has, because you can't draw chalk outlines on sand. So, uh, our next and last performer, on that note, uh, yeah, is doing a show called More Observation Without Comedy uh, downstairs at the uh, Banshee Labyrinth Chamber Room at 6.40pm every day. Uh, put your hands together, everyone, for Mark Dean Quinn! I think it's a tragedy that I don't trust you enough that I've actually brought my bag up on stage. <laughs> I really mean that. I think trust is really important. And I uh, don't think we have the trust that maybe we used to have in society. Uh, maybe we're naive. We were naive. Or... Anyway, that's not what this, uh, this is about. Hello. <laughs> they were my audience in the last show. <laughs> so I'm gonna, that's okay. Oh no, go, go to the paid show. It's gonna be about my nan dying of cancer. <laughs> really is. Uh, when I, when I visited my nan in hospital when she was dying of cancer, it made me evaluate why I do things, uh, what I do. And trust is a big factor in that. If I trust someone, I'm prepared to do a lot of things. And that was when I realized that my nan was one of the only people I'd ever broken the trust of. I organized a party when um, she was supposed to be looking after me and I told her I was going out and I had a party around my parents' house. And the next day, she came back and she didn't even know the police had been there or someone had tried to set fire to the loft. <laughs> or that a really popular vase of my mum's had been broken. Or that anarchy had been written on all the, my mum's bottles of red wine. <laughs> and yet, I could see the disappointment. She was sad and it's a really hard thing when you're talking to your nan in hospital. Now my nan uh, knew she was dying and she decided she was going to make it to Christmas. She was gonna make it to Christmas no matter what. She was really ill, but she was gonna make it to Christmas. And she asked everyone what they wanted for Christmas and she spent all her money making sure they got those things. And I asked for a glass shot chess set 
not knowing that it'd be the final gift for my nan. <laughs> And it's fucking awful. <laughs> That's how it came. It's not wear and tear. It's literally terrible. And I absolutely fucking love it. And it's shit. They're the shot glasses. For anyone listening to the podcast, they are approximately 20 millimetres high. And you can't get drunk playing the game. Because if you've played shot glass chess, you know you only start when you're already drunk. These aren't big enough to sustain that alcoholic fun. So you end up drinking a game of shot chess and ended up sober. That is a tragedy. <laughs> Now, my nan never used to uh, say, I love you. That was not her thing. She'd never say, I love you. What she used to do was give you sweets. You go around her house, oh, have some sweets. I don't want any sweets. It's love, eat it. <laughs> Thanks, nan. I don't like those sweets. You will. <laughs> Thanks for the love, nan. Uh, and so that's what I'd like to do today. I'd like to give you all sweets. So you know that I love all of you. Hand those sweets around the room. It's really happening. Now, I wish... I wish that I'd had one more day with my nan. I wish I'd had that opportunity, but I didn't. So, can I have someone up on stage so I can have that one last morning, that one last sunrise that I could have had with my nan? Doesn't matter who it is. Come on stage. You've already got an orange poncho. <laughs> that will save time. <laughs> Could I have the yellow sun, please, that's in the audience? Thank you. show. It's like a joke. <laughs> if you could all imagine very emotional music while this happens. <laughs> this is going to be great on the podcast. lovely, wasn't it? <laughs> Thanks a lot, Mark Dean Quinn. <laughs> Mark Dean Quinn, everybody! It's always great when we have visual acts on the podcast. I love it. It is tragic. Yeah, and I do love it. So now it's the end of the tragedy. Uh, we did. We had. The, we've had like the best line that we ever had, but we've wiped the room out with uh, like, our dark and complicated stuff. That said, I remember when I said that you could give us money. We're not embarrassed to be given paper money. That would be really handy, and you could put it into this hat, which my 
lovely assistant is going to get run to the back uh, to grab. And the tragedy is, we should have had someone in the back with the hat, really, because we shouldn't we, for walkouts. Uh, but we didn't, because we're, we're, we're on the fly. We, that's how we do it in stand-up tragedy. So yes, you can play, pay what you think that this show was worth, and if you stay to the end, you must think it's worth something. So yes, uh, we, you can give us an Ed Fringe review if you want to give us something that isn't money. I mean, everyone thinks they're important, and I, so they must be, mustn't they? I don't know. I mean, everyone keeps saying about them everywhere I go, so they must be really important. So yes, put some money in the hat if you can. If you can't, tell everybody about this show, because it is an amazing show. We're going to have a load more amazing lineups. They won't all make the room scream and run out of it, but you know what? I like it when they do, so that's good too. So please, Give some money if you can, and this is kind of the end of the show. I'm always afraid of uh, of, uh, of silence, really, so I keep talking to people until people give me a round of applause, really, and then I'll shut up. And now the tragedy is over.